In Ecclesiastes, we read, there's a time for everything. We are coming to a time. It says in our scripture that we read this morning, in the last days, perilous times will come. And uh, there has been a season where the United Methodist Church has been a force to be reckoned with uh, on behalf of God. But uh, things are changing. And so uh, this is why I stand before you today, because what we're facing today in the United Methodist Church goes back to 1972, when the General Conference voted to add language to the denomination's Book of Discipline, declaring that the practice of homosexuality is incompatible with Christian teaching. And this was added because there was pressure uh, being brought, even at that time, on different congregations and all, to turn from God's Word and to uh, start uh, uh, acknowledging uh, things that were not of God as of God. And so uh, the language was revisited every four years from 1972 uh, at each annual or each general conference until 2016. And in 2016, the vote, the delegates voted to hold a special session to finally settle the debate. Now, I must add that uh, since its inception, I've been part of a body called the Confessing Movement here in uh, our uh, conference and and throughout the United States in the denomination, which is a, a group that has uh, just really tried hard to keep us uh, in the faith as the United Methodist Church. And we were very successful. We have been successful every year since we formed. We've been able to uh, turn the votes the right way. And even at this particular called session of the, uh, the special session of uh, the general conference, we had made sure that we had nearly all the delegates were going to be voting in line with, uh, with, well, with the Bible. Let's just put it that way. And, uh, but in this special session, delegates narrowly voted to adopt what was known as the traditional plan, which upheld and strengthened the language banning the ordination and marriage of LGBTQ United Methodists. And uh, so again, the vote went the right way, but the debate was hardly settled. We thought this is going to put an end to it. This will stop it and we can move on. Because what we have on paper in the United Methodist Church is ideal. It's the most compassionate uh, 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 position, a Christian position that could be taken. But the problem is it's being disregarded. And just like people are disregarding and trying to throw out our Constitution, people have been disregarding and trying to throw out our Book of Discipline and then the Bible itself. So uh, even though the, the vote went the right way, many LGTBQ United Methodists and their allies 
immediately vowed and announced that, to re, that they were going to resist and to remain in the denomination. They weren't going to exceed. They weren't going to say, this is the will of the people. Just like we've seen a lot of other votes here recently. Uh, it's just a common thing. They wouldn't accept what the majority wanted around the world. We had voted and they said, we don't care. We're going to have it our way. And uh, we're not going to hit the highway. We're going to stay in here and we're going to basically make life miserable and embarrassing for all the rest of you. And so that is what they have done. They stepped up their resistance. And, uh, and it's, anyway, I won't go into all, the, I've already been in all the details, some of the details of that. But, uh, things have been going downhill ever since. Following three cancellations of the next general conference, and let's face it, one of the reasons why these, first of all, the COVID hit, and that was understandable. But the last time uh, that it was canceled was uh, not. Now, political maneuvering and things like that. The same delegates you see were going to be coming back to vote at the uh, other two. But since they put it off these three times, new delegates are going to be elected to the general conference. And uh, this is going to happen... Uh, anyway, this time there won't be enough traditional votes for anything to carry as it should carry. And this is one of the things that's brought us to the place where we are now. Uh, after three, can three cancellations, many of us have come to see that things are going to continue in the same way with passive resistance on one hand defiant actions on the other and uh, these people are not going to leave and so there is a season for everything and the time has now come for us to make a decision as to which way we're going to go at the heart of all of this you know I mentioned the woman that bit into the macaroons this is rubber well this is the same woman. She has a granddaughter who is, uh, uh, who is, uh, who is, who is gay, who is homosexual. And, uh, Sharon and she were talking and, uh, her, uh, she was saying that her granddaughter, uh, she just, uh, uh, couldn't, she said she didn't, anyway, basically she was saying that she didn't see anywhere in the Bible where it said that there's anything wrong with being, uh, homosexual. That, it, that that practice was wrong at all. And so Sharon showed her in Romans uh, 1, the first chapter of Romans, the 16th uh, to the 32nd verses. I'm not going to read the whole thing for time's sake. I'll just skip down and say uh, and, or to verse 24. Therefore also God gave them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions 
For even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men, committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which it was due. And uh, I'll go on. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. Being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who, knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. Well, Sharon shared this with this lady. Now, this lady was a a known Bible scholar, held up as a Bible scholar, and she taught Sunday school. But she said she'd never seen anything that went contrary to uh, the way that her granddaughter was in all of Scripture. And whenever Sharon read this to her, she just kind of got a blank look on her face for a moment and said, well... There it is. I just can't see it. And so what she, the thing is, or I can't believe it. I can't remember what she said. But this is the problem. It is plain in scripture. There are at least seven different places where it says that people that practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now then, there's a, this is the, this is the heart of what's going on today. Do you believe God's word or not? If you do, you agree with our current official official stance in the United Methodist Church that uh, these are people of worth and they're due the ministry of the church. And as long as they remain celibate in singleness and faithful in marriage uh, to a person of the opposite sex, they can do anything any of the rest of us can do in church. It's not a matter of hating them. It's just a matter of them trying to make people say that what's wrong in the eyes of God is right. And we can't do that. They can serve in church ministries. They can serve on boards. They can be ordained and they can preach as long as they are not practicing. Because you see, there's what's the difference between This is one, we're all born with a penchant to sin. Well, many people commit adultery. Many people in church pews have committed adultery. But that doesn't mean that uh, uh, we need to go and say, everybody needs to make sure that we're really, we lift up and say that adultery is okay. And this is what they're trying to do. Murder. there, you can be a preacher in the United Methodist Church having committed murder, but only if you have repented of it and are a continued self-avowed 
practicing murderer advocating that everybody accept that murder is okay. I mean, many of you, if you'll confess it, you have thought about murdering somebody. You just hadn't done it. In fact, Billy Graham's wife was asked one time if she'd ever thought about living him. He said, never thought about leaving, about leaving him? Had thought about killing him a few times. <laughs> but this is just it. You don't advocate those things. You don't try to say that they are acceptable to God. And this is the problem that we're coming into today. Uh, so uh, since homosexuality is incompatible with Christian teaching, uh, because of that, homosexual marriages are not conducted in United Methodist churches. And they're not to be presided over by Methodist clergy. But in defiance, some entire jurisdictions are going along with performing same-sex marriages at the altar of God and asking God, telling God, to bless unions that he has made clear or abominable in his sight. And so this is where we are today. And uh, this is what they're pushing for. They're not going to rest until the church says that uh, this is not sin. Now, we can't do that without saying you can't believe the whole Bible. And this is where the problem comes in. Because, well, anyway, I'm just going to leave that at that. So the division uh, is there. there are the, these are the rules in our denomination. And uh, there are those who have been labeled as progressives, as I've said, who have started openly defying these rules. And, uh, and, and having these sorts of things. And, uh, they are not going to stop. The division has kept us tied up and ineffective as a denomination for 50 years now, since 1972. And in that period of time, our denomination has lost 5 million members. And, uh, it's, uh, it's sad to see we're going to continue to lose if things continue to go the way they're going. The reason why this is important to me in particular is because it is of eternal significance. This is not just a matter of, a, of opinion. Your opinion as to uh, whether someone should uh, uh, go to heaven or hell doesn't matter. God's already made it clear who goes to heaven and who goes to hell. That's already been made clear. We don't get to vote on it. It's already been decided. It's here in this book. We can read all about it. But do we? Or do we hold out thinking we're going to change God's mind? No, you're not going to change God's mind. You're not going to change his words. And so uh, uh, this, is, uh, this is just it. Do you believe God's word or not? The reason why it's important is because, as I said, it's of eternal significance. The Lord has made it clear in his word that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, uh, it's not just those that practice this one particular thing. I hope you understand. It's just because people are militantly striving uh, on this one particular point. There are lots of others 
that are just as bad. And let's, but, there, but people aren't militantly trying to force the church to accept them. In Galatians 5, 19, we see a tremendous uh, 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 list. It says, now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also had told you in time past, listen to this, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Not that haven't done them, but who continue to practice them. Um, Let me see. All right, I'm going to take time. My own family history. My four greats grandfather was in Kentucky, in Hardin County. And uh, there was a bad guy in Hardin County who had uh, shot one of uh, Abraham Lincoln's relatives. And uh, it's only because he was a juvenile at the time that he got off with it and because his daddy had a bunch of money. Oh, his last name was Hardin, by the way. He was a Hardin in Hardin County. The whole county was named after his family. So anyway, later on, I don't have the particulars, but the record is there that William Friend McMahon, my four greats grandfather, and uh, this guy got into it. And my four greats grandfather shot and killed uh, Mr. Hardin. Uh, and so... Six years later, a grand jury met and issued a warrant for my four great-grandfather's arrest. The, The sheriff went out to serve him, and he wasn't there. And so a writ was issued that found him guilty of murder, and that whenever he was caught, he was to be hung by the neck until he was dead, wherever he was caught. Well, he had left the country, literally. He had left Kentucky. He went down into the Louisiana Territory. And uh, it's interesting, some of my other distant relatives share this story. And they say, we don't know what happened to him. He just disappeared. But he came on down. And somewhere in the Louisiana Territory, he ran across a Methodist minister. And he was gloriously saved and ultimately became a circuit rider. And there's records of him coming over from Arkansas into Texas and helping to hold revivals. Uh, They say that the love of this man for the Lord was just incredible. Well, it says in scripture that he who has been forgiven much loves much. You see, he didn't go around advocating murder. He didn't go around trying to uh, uh, justify what he had done. The Lord gave him a new life and transformed him. He was gloriously saved and made a difference in the lives of others. Samuel Dope McMahon, who uh, was the one that uh, started inviting people to come over, uh, missionaries to come over into Texas and holding Methodist services in his home, uh, First Methodist Church 
formed in Texas was McMahon's Chapel. This was my four great grandfather's first um, first cousin. They shared a grandfather, and uh, my four great grandfather went back. Whenever he retired from preaching, went back and started trying to farm, uh, hanging around with Samuel Doak McMahon. And uh, it turns out that uh, he didn't like the red dirt and moved on down to Newton uh, and, uh, and, and settled there. But Samuel Doak was a rounder and then heard a preacher over in Louisiana again. I guess the McMahons are indebted to Louisiana. But uh, they, uh, he heard a, a preacher preaching and it really got to him to where riding on his horse along Aish Bayou, he got off of his horse got down on his knees and gave his life to the Lord. They said they'd never seen a man so soundly converted. He was saved. And it's after that that he asked for people to start coming over to Texas and holding services in his home. Salvation is what it's all about, people. It's not about social justice. It's not about uh, a lot of these other things that they're trying to cast aside the Lord for. So uh, the point is that sin is taken seriously by God and it should be taken seriously by us. And God has made a way for sin to be dealt with. If it wasn't important, Jesus wouldn't have had to go to the cross. If you tell people who practice these things that it's okay, you're being a party to their damnation. You are uh, lulling them into thinking that there's no danger when their souls are in danger of hell fire. And I know you want to be nice to people, but it's loving to tell people the truth. You can love these people and you can, uh, uh, I have dear friends who are on the other side of all of this. I love them. Uh, ran across one just a couple of weeks ago that I hadn't seen in, in several years. And the last time I, I saw him, I didn't think I was going to see him alive. And here he was, he was doing great. We hugged uh, because we care for each other. And uh, he's, uh, he's a member of a former church of mine. But uh, he has a reputation of being a member of this community that we're talking about. But he doesn't practice it. He doesn't advocate it. And he works hard in his church. And there's no problem with that. Nobody has a problem. It's only, you see, when you start trying to make the church doubt and uh, despise God's word that you have a problem with it. The church cannot condone what Jesus died for. And that's what is at stake at this time, you see. The souls of people. It's not about being anti-gay or hating anyone. It's about where people are going to spend eternity and also the quality of life that they're really going to have in the here and now. On other fronts, salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ is giving way more and more to social justice, advocacy, and wokeness. Church leaders are publicly claiming that Jesus was just a man and was sinful. And you see, the United Methodist Church is leaving me a follower of Jesus Christ as it leaves him and God's word behind. 
I was called to be a minister, and then I was called to be a minister in the United Methodist Church. And the Lord told me that the field was white for the harvest in the pews of the United Methodist Church because, like me back then, many weren't hearing that we needed the cross to be freed from our sins and we needed the Lordship of Jesus Christ for the living of our lives. And so Sharon and I have served for 46 years being faithful to this calling. And the gospel has been heard and received from Texarkana down to Rosenberg by people sitting in pews who had never really heard it before. Now the time has come and uh, our time of working in the field of the United Methodist Church is coming to a close. And a new and a pure Methodist Church is being formed which is going to be going to put aside this contentiousness and this battling over whether God's word is true or not. I've been a part of the confessing movement, I said, for since its formation, helping to elect these delegates that have helped keep things on course up to this point. Uh, but now the Lord is calling me and he's called a whole lot of my brothers and sisters who have been in this fight with me for the last 50 years and who have served faithfully in the United Methodist Church to come apart and to be a part of a new thing that he is doing. And I don't feel out of place in doing it. My, uh, my ancestors, they were called into the kingdom of God. I was called into the kingdom of God. I wasn't called to just be a Methodist. Now, I was called to be the Lord's. And it's come now to the place to where the Lord's saying, he's bringing up the scripture about what does light have to do with darkness? Come out and be separate from them. Sharon and I are hearing that call and we're hearing it joyfully and we're going to be moving on. It's not that uh, we're renouncing the years that we've had. They have been good. But God has a new thing before us. And uh, uh, anyway, and I must say, those who stay behind, I think that it's going to wind up. If they're thinking that things are going to go on and continue to be the same, I think they're going to be surprised. You know, there's even talk right now of uh, the Methodist, United Methodist Church and the Episcopal Church joining and becoming one. This would be a Wesleyan church joining with a, they're both descendants from the Anglican church, but if they get together, see the only thing that's really separating them right now is this wording in the discipline. And that's going to be done away with pretty quickly after this day or during this next general conference, I do believe. So this is where we are. He's a, called us to be a part of this new thing. It's exciting. Sharon and I are looking forward to breaking new ground in God's kingdom. It's not that we're hanging it up. We're moving on with the Lord. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.